welcome back to the House of Trauma podcast. It's your favorite host, Kiana Breen. And today we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And I mean quite literally, love. What love is and how you know if it's really love. So me personally, I'm just like a hopeless romantic. Let's just start there. I'm such a hopeless romantic and it doesn't matter how many tragedies I experienced in love. Um, I have never given up on that one true love. Have you ever heard the saying, you only have three great loves in your life? I've heard that so many times, and I'm here to say that it's false because if it was true, <laughs> in my case, that means I've encountered the three great loves of my life, learned those lessons, and there's nothing left. I'm going to die alone. And <laughs> I'm not going to die alone. Um, I know that I'm waiting on my husband and it's going to be a love worth the way God has already promised me a kingdom marriage, but we'll talk about that at a later date. Um, but yeah, the first time I heard about the Greek, the three great loves, or was it one great love? Whatever, it was on Sex in the City. Um, and I used to love that show. If you a Sex in the City fan, holla. Anyways, um, I'm such a definition freak because... I just like to know everything in its entirety, like the full on definition. So the definition of love as a noun is an intense feeling of deep affection. Definition of love as a verb, feeling deep affection for someone. So you may ask, well, how did you know you were in love? Like, how, how, how do I know that I've experienced three loves already in this lifetime and I'm only 28 years young? I guess I can start by telling you about the first time I knew or I felt like I was in love and I was very young and the feelings and the emotions that I experienced when I was with this person. I mean, every time we touched, whether he was holding my hand or I was giving him a hug, I just felt this deep soul connection. And when you feel something so deeply, you feel like it's going to last for an eternity. And it unfortunately did not last for an eternity. And I guess one of the negative sides of love is you have the potential to be so consumed in your feelings for this person that sometimes you do things you never thought you would do. Sometimes you become a person you never thought that you would become, and it could be positive or negative. Um, but I believe love is best shown in action. I always say my walk is way more inspired than my talk. It don't matter what you say. It matters what you do and how you show someone that you truly love and care for them. So before I get into my story time, we love story time. Um, I want to talk about why love is important. And I think it's good to keep this in mind um, throughout our conversation today. All right. So 
I actually have my Bible. <laughs> I know, I'm going to mention God. I'm going to do that. Um, so in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40, And I want to just hang in with me. I want to read it verbatim. It's quick. I promise. I swear. And then we'll get into it. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which command in law is the greatest? Now, this is one of the Pharisees speaking to Jesus. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think it's important to mention that even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, put love at the forefront of it all. Yeah, we have the Ten Commandments. Yes, the Bible is full of rules and instruction on how we should live our day-to-day life. But rule number one is to love the Lord. And rule number two is to love your neighbor. And I think that's so important to show love to everyone around you. Love teaches you the value of kindness, compassion, and selflessness. And having someone by your side when things get tough, who truly loves you and can show you that compassion, who can show you that kindness, who can pick you up when you're down and truly, truly care for you unconditionally, everybody needs that in their life. And the second book in the book of Genesis (laughs) is a perfect example of that as well. Genesis uh, chapter 2 verses 23 to 25 talks about how God created Eve to complement Adam as a companion because it was not good for man to be alone. And typically when you have a companion, that companion is showing you love and kindness. They're, they're They're by your side. They're there with you through thick and thin. And there's two types of love in um, my opinion. There's self-love, which you get internally, versus external love, which you receive from others around you. And I mean, we can break down self-love a number of different ways, and I think everybody has a general consistency consensus on what um, we perceive self-love to be. And I think that a strong appreciation for yourself in which you do things that support your physical, psychological, and spiritual growth versus external love is love outside of you from someone else, someone who is showing you again that kindness, that compassion, that selflessness. And I think they're both important, but I think what's most important is having self-love first. And I know we've all heard the term, you can't love someone unless you love yourself. And when I was younger, I'm just like, you can't love people if you don't love yourself. I've seen it happen. Love that way is twisted. You absolutely have to love yourself first because If you're able to show yourself love, kindness, compassion, selflessness, if you can grow 
by loving yourself physically, spiritually, and psychologically, then you're able to help other people. And the reason you can't do it without loving yourself first is because you don't know what love is. You, that makes sense. Is y'all following me? Are y'all following me? If you can't truly love yourself, then how can you say you love somebody else? You don't know what love is. And whatever you feel that love is, is probably some type of twisted trauma response. And I'm just being real. And I'm not saying this in a judgmental way because we've all been there and me personally. The one thing about me is I don't like to speak on things unless I've A, experienced it firsthand or two, have done the proper research and have all the facts to speak on this subject because you will not make a fool out of me. And I've always been this way and that pertains to anything. But I can think of periods in my life where I didn't love myself and I thought I did. And I didn't love certain people I was in connection with. I just thought I did. I felt like I had to do this to show this person I love them. I felt like I had to behave this way, dress this way, talk this way, act this way. But I was being disingenuous to myself. And why was I not being genuine with myself? Because I didn't truly understand what self-love was in that moment. And I can almost guarantee that if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, that you can think of a time in your life where you thought you loved yourself, but you didn't truly know what love was. And yeah, I can get up every day and do my hair and do my makeup and put on a cute outfit and go out into the world and pretend that I love myself. But that don't mean that I did. That does not mean that you do. So I found myself giving more external love than internal love throughout my life and throughout my relationships. And at a point, I was giving more than I was receiving. And no, everything in life isn't about take, 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 take. It's about give and take. And I was giving, 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 but I wasn't taking anything. I was almost not receiving anything. And I want to talk about the three past loves of my life and the reason I say the three past loves and not the three great loves because I came to find out that there was nothing great about this love however I want to make note that I learned some very hard yet valuable lessons throughout my experiences And so one thing in my life is the number three is a common theme. It's actually my favorite number. And sometimes the number three, like in this instant, doesn't mean the greatest things. But um, yeah, (laughs) so when we get into the number three, it's my favorite number. And you'll you'll learn throughout our journey together. Because remember, this self-love healing is a journey um, that three it shows up a lot in my life. Anyways, um, let's get into it. So again, I was giving more than I was receiving. And subconsciously, 
I wanted more for them than for myself, but I didn't realize it in those moments. But my accent showed it, and probably Ray Charles could see it. (laughs) And so another thing these three past loves have in common is all these relationships lasted for three years. I know, it's crazy. Um, I would say I spent the bulk of my youth, but I'm still young though, I'm 28, vibrant knees like making. Okay, um, but I spent the bulk of my youth in long-term serious relationships. And when I was way younger, especially like first graduating in high school, I remember people saying, this relationship is too serious for your age, which I don't necessarily believe. I think, though, that I was more serious than he was, and that's where the problem came in because I know people who have been together from a really, really young age, and are we going to tell them, and they're married now to this day, are we going to tell them, oh, you you were too serious back then, you guys should have waited and then eventually got together? No, that's not how that works. Love has no timeline. Love has no age. And um, we just weren't meant to be at the end of it all. So um, I, I don't name drop. I don't like to name drop. On my podcast, there will be no name dropping. I don't want it to appear as slander. Um, I'm just solely speaking my truth. So we'll call these three past loves, lover one, lover two, and lover three. It's just as simple as that. So lover one, I met when I was only 13. And I can already hear the lips smacking right now. What do you know about love at 13? That's, that's what my parents kept saying. But I feel like you can't tell someone that they don't know what love is. Like, you can't tell me what I'm feeling deep inside. Maybe I didn't understand the full capacity of love and what loving someone could do to you mentally. I wasn't aware enough to not lose myself in love. I'll put it like that. So we dated from 13 to 16, and this would be the first guy to ever break my heart. So at this point in time, I'm obviously super young. I'm only in eighth grade. And he was actually 14, so he was a year older than me. And at this point, he was already in high school. He's a freshman, but we lived next door to each other. And when I first met him, I thought he was kind of quiet and maybe even a little weird. So it was, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I knew it was love at first sight. It absolutely was nothing like that. Um, It was an unlikely pairing, and I think that a lot of my relationships were unlikely pairings. Um, But anyway, I remember, like, yesterday when he asked me to be his girlfriend, like, literally, he was talking to me outside of my window. Funniest thing ever. My mom's like, it's time to go in the house, but his parents still let him out. We were talking through the window, whatever, whatever. And, um, of course, so during this three-year relationship, and if you could see me right now, I'm I, I'm doing the quotation hands. Three-year relationship, and I use three-year relationship loosely because when and after I turned fourteen, I actually that's when I moved to Texas 
So um, we no longer were even living in the same city. We could only communicate via social media and um, through texts and phone calls. But I would say every time I came back um, home to visit my family, we always reconnected like 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 nothing ever happened. It didn't matter if we were crushing or talking, using quotation hands again here, you know, I would usually say, oh, I'm talking to this person. Oh my goodness. Um, and we were talking to somebody else. It was like, this person doesn't matter because you're back in my life. And again, whenever we were together, when we would hug, when we would hold hands, when I would lay on his shoulder, I just, my heart was always pounding, like pounding out of my chest. Like I just felt almost a sense of euphoria just being in his presence. And when you're young, and in love, so to speak, you you really think it's for forever. And so experiencing my first heartbreak because of him, it felt like a literal hole was in my chest. I mean, I just remember crying for days. I would sit up in my, my room, which I share with my sisters, and... I would just put the cover over my head and cry because I didn't want anybody to see me this way. And I was such a sleepy kid, such a sleepy teenager. For all they knew, I, I was just sleeping. That's my favorite thing to do, sleep. I would sleep till 4 p.m. if people would let me. And most days I hoped that they would let me, and they did. So um, I just remember everything hitting the fan after finding out he wasn't being loyal. He quite literally cheated on me on multiple occasions. And I'm not talking about those occasions where I was out of town because even after I, for those of you who don't know, so I lived in um, Texas only for three years and um, actually three short years. I don't even know if it was three, four years. So once I came back from living in Texas and I was living in Milwaukee again, we're like, okay, good. Like we were both excited. Like I'm back. It's good. We can really do this. We can really do this. And I remember, um, he was graduating high school because he was, I was still a junior and he was a senior. He was a grade, um, higher than me. And I remember on his graduation, I was at my grandma's house and we were texting and he was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go hang out with my friends after graduation. We're going to do this and that. So I'm like, cool, you know, hang out with your friends. Do you boo boo, do you? He was absolutely not hanging out with his friends. He was hanging out with another girl. And I don't want to really go into detail with that right now. But what I do want to say is I felt like I absolutely didn't deserve what he gave me in return to me only showing him love and kindness, love and compassion, always being there and being present and it was almost like, wow, I, I'm, I wasn't enough. You know, have, have you ever felt like, wow, I, I wasn't enough for you? And it's not that, and I know this now, it's not that I wasn't enough. 
He had some things to work out in his own head with his own trauma, his own doings. But when I'm 16, I don't... I don't quite understand this. All I understand is I gave you everything and you gave me nothing. I literally felt like, I felt like Bella and New Moon when Edward disappeared on her ass. <laughs> if you know, you know. If y'all didn't watch the Twilight Saga, I encourage you to go watch New Moon so you can feel my pain, so you can see my pain in physical form. Like, that's literally how it was. I was Bella and New Moon. By, my whole world was coming crashing down. This, this is the first time I truly loved somebody, and I was fucking played. And ain't no feeling worse than that. Or so I thought in that moment. And... You know, when you're young, I mean, as young as elementary school, kids have crushes. You know what I'm saying? We think this person's cute. Oh, we're passing notes in class. Da 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 da. This was more than that. And again, my parents would tell me, especially my dad, I'm too young. I don't know what love is. But even now, 12 years later, how old was I? Well, we'll say at 13, so 15 years later, I still feel strongly, knowing everything that I know now, that that was love back then to me. So, it is what it is. If I can move on to lover number two, which I began to date at 17, and we dated until I was 20. So after spending the summer and, well, really the rest of the year healing, um, getting over, moving forward from this first failed relationship, this first betrayal, this first heartbreak, I felt like I was ready to love again in that next year. So lover number two is what I refer to as my high school sweetheart. Um, we dated the second half of senior year into college and all of that. And we used to have this saying, forever always, is what we would say to each other. Even sometimes when we were mad at each other one of us would text forever, always, and it was just confirmation, like, okay, I know you mad now, but this is forever and always, so when you're ready to come around, it's going to be what it is. And I feel like, of course, we had that honeymoon phase. Everybody goes through the honeymoon phase at the beginning. Like, we really vibed well together. Um... I, I think this was also an unlikely pairing. Like, people didn't see it. But once we got together, we really complimented each other. And, again, um, we we dated in high school. And then we went to the same college. And I think that halfway through that first year in college is when things really started to take a turn. I was starting to feel like, he valued every relationship he had but ours. And it wasn't right away when we went to college. It was more so towards the end. And then after we both decided um, we weren't going to go to that college anymore. And I end up, we, we ended up moving back to Milwaukee. And I continued with college. But he unfortunately did not 
And again, during the duration of this relationship, or I guess not again, but during the duration of this relationship, this is my first example of me literally giving more than I was receiving. So when I grew up, my mother was the true definition of a strong, independent black woman. And she had one major relationship throughout my younger years. And as I witnessed this relationship firsthand, I always felt like my mother was given more than what she was receiving. And so maybe subconsciously, I felt like that's what love was. You give more than you receive. But that wasn't exactly my mind. Like, okay, I have to give more than I receive. But my actions displayed that nature, if, if you're following me. After a while, we, we argue, argued constantly. You know, I felt as though I was given 100% and he was maybe given 60 I felt like I was bending over backwards to make it work, but somehow something was always my fault. This was the first time a man ever went through my phone. And I'm just, what are you looking for? And then in turn, I went through his phone, not looking for anything, just trying to see what's up, and then finding something and it's somehow being my fault. I remember us arguing over a friendship he had with a female friend and he insisted that it was no big deal. Vice versa, me having friendship with male friends and it was a huge deal. And it was just almost like a, you couldn't, I, I couldn't win for losing. And now that I'm looking back, I feel like we potentially stayed in a relationship so long because neither one of us was willing to let go. And if I can ask myself honestly and truly, do I feel like lover number two, my high school sweetheart, loved me? I could say yes. I believe that he very much had love for me. There were instances where I do feel like he went out his way to truly be there for me. But what really struck a nerve, and when I knew it was just about time to walk away, um, we're having a conversation because, again, I'm, I'm wanting to make this work. I'm wanting to see what the issue is, what's going on. And I remember him saying, well, you know, I was only that way in the beginning because I knew that's what you liked. Say what now? Um, you pretended to be somebody that you weren't because you knew that's the kind of person I was looking for. You're a fraud, a fraud. I'm like literally draw to the to the ground. I'm 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 in a state of disbelief. And it was in a, a point even prior to this conversation where I questioned myself. And this was the first time I questioned myself on what I knew to be true. And what I mean by that is I know how I feel. I know what I seen. And I know what I heard. And sometimes when we would have disagreements, I would go back and I will sit and I will question if what I knew was true. 
if what I seen was true, if what I heard was true. It was an unfortunate space to be in. And let's just say forever didn't last always. And when we broke up, I remember almost feeling like I couldn't breathe. And it wasn't as intense. It wasn't as intense as Bella now. I wasn't Bella part two. But I couldn't believe that the last three years of my life, of our life, meant nothing to him. Because that's how I felt. It meant nothing to him. It was very much so a hard pill to swallow. And the outside looking in, everyone thought we were the perfect couple. We were high school sweethearts. Like, we were really going to take this to another level. I mean, at one point, we lived together, or I lived with him and his mom. And, you know, he knew my family. I knew his family. And it really did seem like forever would last always. Um, And it didn't. And it took me a little while to get over that. I remember um, being at a bonfire with a few friends and my sisters. And my sister looked at me and she was like, if you and Lover 2 didn't last, then the rest of us are doomed. (laughs) When I tell you we were... I guess a prime example for a lot of people on what, you know, love should look like, but only on the outside, on the inside, what was really going on in the midst of the relationship was nothing to be desired. And it didn't matter how much I tried to convince myself that it was. The fact of the matter is that it wasn't. And I remember when I was younger, I told my sisters, we were laying in bed, um, two of my younger sisters And I was like, you know, we've never had a good example of love in a relationship with anybody in our family, whether that be our parents, our grandparents, aunts, uncles, our older siblings, our cousins. We've never had a good example of what love is. And I want to be that good example for y'all. And I think that's mainly why in a lot of my relationships, I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable and show the ugly side of the relationship because I know my sisters are watching. And I don't want them to think for a moment that I would let somebody break me, that I would let somebody hurt me, that I would let somebody mistreat me. Because the truth of the matter is, I couldn't live with that reality. Not me. Who, me? Shit, they got me messed up. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I ain't the one to be played with. And I feel like I let certain things slide and I let certain, I push certain red flags out of my life because I'm like, no, this, this is not my reality and I won't let it be. And, and I essentially was trying to fake it until I made it, but we didn't make it. And I think with the things, the themes of the relationships with lover one and two only intensify with lover three. So after about two years of just healing and being alone and dealing with a few situationships, and I can't even say a few, maybe like one, um, I met lover number three. Now, being with lover number three, 
I think this is truly, this truly shows the test of the love I have for myself versus the love I was willing to give to other people. So again, we dated from age 22 to when I was 25. And this was certainly an unlikely parent. So unlikely, this man pursued me for almost a year and I was just completely not interested, like, at all. I was just like, this this will never happen. Like, we friends, we homies, we cool, we good, but a relationship, no. And I even remember crying on my room floor one day after he kept wanting this relationship bad. And I was just like, I don't want a relationship because I'm broken. I'm still broken from lover number two. You don't know what, what I went through mentally with this person. And little did I know I was about to go for another mental ride. So prior to finally agreeing to be in a relationship with this person, I feel like, because God is always speaking, I feel like God was showing me these red flags. He was smacking me with them. He was putting them in front of me. He was laying them on the side of me. He was sitting them next to me. And... Again, I must be colorblind because I thought they was orange or potentially yellow flags. So it was all right and it was okay as long as I went a little slow, right? <laughs> yellow light means go slow. No, they were red. Stop and potentially turn back. And I don't want to make it appear as though he was the worst of them all. I kind of do feel that way. Okay, let me not lie to y'all. We, we cool, we homies. I think that this really taught me the strongest lesson that I needed to learn in order to be able to fully love myself. Because what I've come to realize is throughout these relationships, the reason I was able to be cheated on, played, mistreated, is because I didn't know my worth fully. And sure, I I knew my words more than some people I know, some girls that I knew, but I didn't know it fully. I wasn't fully in love with myself. I wasn't fully in tune with myself, and I wasn't in covenant with God. So when God was trying to speak to me and tell me what was wrong and what was right, I couldn't hear him because I was too distracted by these different guys. And so lover number three in his pursuit to get me, I mean, there was so much love bombing. He, he wined and dined me. He literally showed me that chivalry wasn't dead. Okay. And so against my better judgment, I decided to be in a relationship with this person And like all relationships, we had our honeymoon phase and it was great. It was greater than great. It was lovely. We traveled together. We partied together. We went to family events together. My family loved him. His family completely adored me and loved me even still to this day. I think they'd choose me over him, honey. And I ain't lying. I ain't lying. So I, it started off good. And I was like, okay. Maybe, maybe I needed to get us a chance. Okay, cool. This is good. We working it out. 
And then we got engaged. So I'm like, okay, wow, yes. I've, I've always wanted to be married. I'm such a hopeless romantic, like I said before. Like, ever since I was a kid, I dreamed of this fairy tale wedding. I always knew I'd be married young. So I'm like, okay, everything is right on time. It's right on time. After we got engaged, things went bad fast. They went bad fast. And I felt like... I should have took the first incident as my way out of the relationship. But again, based on what I seen when I grew up, I felt like relationships you should fight for. And you got down on one knee and you said you wanted to marry me. And I said, yes, I wanted to marry you. We have not even been married yet. I feel like this is something we should, fi we should fight for. I should fight for. That fight wasn't for me. But I fought for years. And like with lover number two, I began to question myself. And if I can quote the great, great Cardi B, you got me looking in the mirror different, thinking I'm flawed because you inconsistent. L literally looking in the mirror not even recognizing the woman that I had become. I mean, I, I can't even begin to explain the person I became. Short-tempered, insecure, paranoid. I became the epitome of the woman I told my sisters I never wanted to be. From the way I behaved myself to the things I allowed in my relationship, the way I allowed myself to be treated. And so make no mistake, I wasn't just sitting there taking it. Cause, and again, this is a judgment-free zone here at the House of Trauma, but... I would be lying if I said that there weren't women out there who just take it and take it with very little pushback. I absolutely pushed back. And ultimately, I made the decision to call off the engagement. And I didn't tell people right away. It was really between me, him, and my closest companions, which are my sisters and my best friend. And then, I mean, we lived together at a point in time and he moved out. And a few months after he had moved out, I decided, you know, we could work it out again. And I feel like it just got worse. It was almost like, he was like, okay, cool, I got her back. Yeah, let me do her worse. And I just didn't understand what I did to deserve being treated that way. And I realized I had made a mistake and it was time to walk away because as I'm looking in the mirror at this woman, I mean, she looks like me, but she don't look like me. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't look like myself. It was the trauma from the relationship was affecting everything that I was doing 
and I realized I had entirely too much to live for. I was still young, and this wasn't the end-all, be-all. I remember telling him the relationship was toxic and that I was genuinely unhappy. And, of course, he tried to gaslight me and tell me the relationship wasn't toxic. And I gave him many examples on why it absolutely was toxic. I mean, it was the most toxic thing I had experienced in my life at that moment. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I knew I deserved better. And that if I had the strength to walk away, I would receive better. Because if I'm looking back at lover number two and lover number one, once I walked away from those relationships, a part of me felt like I wasn't going to have that love again. But the truth is, it wasn't love, number one. And number two, I was able to meet another person where I felt love even stronger. And so... I just had to roll the dice and I had to walk away. And so I did just that. There's a lot of trauma that I experienced in those relationships. And I'm just giving you guys surface level idea of what these relationships were like because we need a couple days and a couple drinks. Tequila. To, to really go into depth on what I experienced in these relationships. And with each one from the outside, people thought we were perfect. But on the inside of the relationship and on the inside of me, I was hurting. And... I, after these breakups, especially because these relationships were one after another, and I spent years with these men who I don't even speak to today, they're somewhere living their lives, kicking themselves in the ass because they lost a girl like me. But <laughs> things like, at one point in life, I was just like, I'm convinced all men lie. I actually said, I'm convinced all niggas lie. And, um, but I really meant all men because I'm just like, you, you, you were all liars. And it was always sorry lies and sorry excuses for the reason that they lied. At a point in time, I was questioning everyone's motives. So after going through the three relationships, and so now it's been about three years, three years, yeah, almost three years that I've been single and I literally question every man's motive who come my way. What is it that you want from me? I'm, I'm not giving you my love again. At what point in time are you going to mistreat me? Because it always ends this way. And that's something that I had to heal from. And it's not easy. It was like I walked into toxic three-year relationship after toxic three-year relationship and when I look back, it's like, why did you hold on to these relationships for so long? And the truth is, I was holding on to the idea of love, not the love itself. Because even as a little girl, all I ever wanted in life was to give love and receive love. And I felt like that if I gave as much love as I could, 
then it would be reciprocated. And it wasn't. And sometimes when it wasn't, I was like, okay, maybe I need to give more love because they're, they're just not feeling it. But the truth is they weren't in a space to receive my love nor give me the love I needed. And I hate that it took me years to realize that, to understand that, and to walk away from that. But here I am now still healing in love. Still working on my heart chakra. Still praying to God to open my heart. But one thing I will say is I'm never giving up on love. I will be married with children. And I will at some point have a divine partnership, a divine connection with my other half, with the man that God has ordained me to be with. There will be no red flags. There will be no toxicity. There will be no lies or deception. And I don't think that the marriage is going to be easy by far. Like, I'm not that delusional, okay? But I know it'll be a love worth the wait. The only thing these three men, these three lovers had in common, or I guess the main thing, the most important thing, is they showed me I deserved better. I ignored the red flags because I thought I knew better. I allowed these men to hurt me and to break me because the truth is I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I should have been looking in for love within myself first. And now I love myself more than anything in this world. My favorite saying is, who do I love more than me? (laughs) But they taught me a valuable lesson in life and more importantly, in love. Because the truth is, I think I love them and maybe they didn't love me. But in the words of Ariana Grande, I've loved and I've lost, but that's not what I see. This is the House of Trauma Podcast. I'm Kiana Brienne. And if it's one thing I want you to take away from this, is your one true love is you. Love y'all to the moon and back. Bye. Bye.